It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 608 News Talk WSB. We're broadcasting live this morning from Pike Nursery West Cobb. And you're welcome to come see us. And I need to tell you that now because we have the food coming in the front door. And it'll be here momentarily. So check it out. We'll be here at the West Cobb Pike Nursery for the next three hours to answer garden questions on the phone. And if you have a particular weed or problem or picture or something you want to come bring over here for us to look at, you can call or you can call on us, call on Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nursery. She's here with me. And I'm here as well. We'll be here until 9 o'clock. Mickey, I have just come back from one of the most fabulous, beautiful places in the world. And tell me about it. It was Amsterdam. It was Bruges. It was uh, Antwerp. It was Rotterdam. It was all those places that are connected by water in the Netherlands. And uh, it was the most amazing thing in the world. Had you ever been before? I had been before to Amsterdam, just a little little Amsterdam, not to the rest of the places that we, <coughs> excuse me, that we went to. But we had a fabulous time and saw millions. We're talking millions of tulips. <laughs> oh, I would have loved to seen that. It was one of those things where you're coming into Amsterdam on the airplane, and you look, and you just can't believe that there are that many tulips in bloom at one time in one place in the world. It was awesome. Are they growing tulips to sell? Are I mean, these it is, growers or who are they? It's like a commodity. It's like they're growing corn. They've got acres yeah, and acres right. and acres of red and pink and yellow and blue and all the different uh, tulip colors there. How about in just residences? Does everybody you know, have tulips? That's there? a good question. That? Not so many in my observations we drove around in our bus. Not so many of them had uh, tulips in the front yard, but the public parks and places like yeah. that were places where they have big mass displays and we went to one public park called Kuchenhof and I'm sure some of our listeners may have been there or heard about it. Kuchenhof has seven million tulip oh bulbs planted to do all sorts of artistic things. They uh, had one that's a portrait of Van Gogh who's you know obviously one of the Netherlands painters that used 250,000, I believe, tulip bulbs to make it. Oh, my gracious. Yeah, it was crazy. Did you see any different ones that you haven't seen before? Or were they Mickey, they're <laughs> so close to black, it is hard to tell the difference between this deep purple tulip and a black-colored tulip. It's awesome to see that. I guess they're truly perennial there, too, aren't they? You know, they? They, they suffer from some of the same problems do we they? do. Yeah, do yeah. Holland says, you know, we try to keep them on for a couple, three years, and they probably do last in Holland more than they do here. But tulips came from Turkey and Afghanistan and the you know drier parts of China, and so that's not exactly like Holland. Yeah, that's why I wondered how they ended up there. Because, let me see, I, I heard the story, I read the story on the uh, Tulip Museum wall. It was something about traders. Holland and the Netherlands used to be just the center of trade for all of that part of Europe, Rotterdam in particular. And so plant explorers would be shipping plants that they'd found in other countries through there to take them to, back to their home in England or France or someplace like that. And so my guess is that some plant explorer says, oh, look, this is a nice little bulb we found when we went to Turkey. You should plant it there in Holland. And for whatever reason, it stuck. And then people began to you know, grow lots and lots and lots. By the way, Kuchenhof had 7 million tulips. And what they do with them, after they plant them in the fall each year, 
They come up, of course, like we recognize the tulips should do. And then the Kuchenhof is open from like the 1st of April through the middle of May. Only during the time the tulips are blooming, the rest of the time it's completely closed. And they put in new crops of tulips every year. So every uh, fall, they take up all the tulips that they had the previous year. They grind them up and feed them to the cows. They take all the dirt out of the beds and then put in new little tulips in whatever kind of arrangement they want to put so in. So they're treated as annuals. They're treat there. treated as annuals there in Kuchenhof. Goes, That's amazing. Yeah. That's oh, amazing. man, did we see some things. We had some big formal gardens, which just drive me crazy. We, <laughs> there are people, I think they're a little obsessive, Mickey. With the tulips. Well, not so much tulips, but with the partier gardens and the boxwood knots and oh, the I things. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love my that. God. <laughs> Why do you like them? I just love it. I love that look. I like that. Not garden. Yeah. I really do. I've well, tried to recreate it. It doesn't work in Dallas. If, it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. if you go to Amsterdam, they got plenty of them. They got castles, they got walls, they got, you know, gardens that are there for, for visitors to come and watch and see. But one of them in particular was a little obsessive compulsive about the precise, precise height and width of all oh, the well, lines and like shrubs like that. Well, see, yeah, okay. we don't have the 20, 30 acres that they have right, in this garden to right, play with. But, right. And, you know, 100 servants to take care of the garden. How many servants do you have at your garden making? One. <laughs> Stan. He's big, though. And so when you, I, I, well, I think they have a relationship with their people there, just like you and Stan. They dig that hole, dig seven million of those holes, and we'll put some tulips in there, and that's what they do. We, uh, let's see, what did we do? We had great food. Oh, the greatest thing about it, Mickey, was we were on a uh, riverboat, on a big, long riverboat, held about 150 people, I guess. Everybody had a stateroom. You packed one time. Oh, wow. Oh, was that fabulous. Wow. You just had to unpack your, your baggage one time, and then the rest of the time you ate on the boat, had terrific meals on the boat. Um, all the buses and things like that would just meet us wherever we were, and we would travel overnight, so you really didn't see anything overnight. You just oh, traveled up and down the river. Sounds beautiful. Next time, Mickey Gasaway and Don't her fly. and her helper stand <laughs> will come. And by the way, y'all did a great job on radio. I listened to the show. Did you yes, really? Did you critique it? Well, not too much. Oh. We were in between going places. I only had Wi-Fi for a minute or two in there, but I heard actually. Uh, yeah, she did great. Said, yeah, I heard you did great. And Joe Lample Joe and, and, uh, and Neil Tarver. Neil Tarver. Yeah, mm -hmm. good. So fun. thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for being here. You're quite welcome. So, again, let's reiterate. Where are we? We are this morning at Pike Nursery at Barrett Parkway, West Cobb. <coughs> and I have a cough and need some of that water that Miss Buffy is going to bring me in just a minute. So, if you would like to come visit us here and get some food and breakfast, it's coming in the front door as we speak right now. 404-872-0750 is the number at Lawn and Garden. Who is on the line? Who could it be? I bet it is our friend Nicole in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Miss you. Nicole. Um, I'm well. How about you? Fine, fine. Oh, I see she did a good job, Mickey, too, and all those boys, oh, yeah. and, you know. Um, you see, the uh, tulip, um, they grow so fine because it used to be an ocean floor, isn't it? Well, because uh, Holland, you mean, used to be an ocean floor? Yes. That was one of the places that we visited was some of the uh, pumping, immense pumping stations that they pump all the water away from the, yeah, the part that's under the ocean and, uh, I guess, send the water out to sea. But they, uh, the good part of the polders, which is the low land right next to the ocean, were bottom of the sea at one time in their life, not so uh, far away, just 100 years maybe. So, that mean, the stuff that 
stock that they put in the ground now, we won't see it here for a good 10 years, isn't it? Because they experiment, 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 isn't it? They certainly experiment, experiment. They breed different tulips to be different colors and different sort of stripes and reds and whites and things like that. But I think that it could be sooner than 10 years. I think it could be more like five years when, they, when the breeders find the good-looking tulip and put it on the market. Yes. Uh, my tulip this year was like a little helicopter. Oh, they were uh -huh. super. They were bright red, <laughs> and when they opened, they opened wide, probably eight, ten inches wide, and the inside was yellow. Ooh. And it was just helicopter. Oh boy, I thought. Oh boy, know, oh boy, yeah. oh boy. Was that the actual name of the tulip? No. Helicopter or helicopter? <laughs> I didn't name them. So have you have you ever had many tulips to come back, Nicole? Have you ever had any technique that meant a tulip bloomed fine for two or three years in a row? Yes, sir. You know and why? how did you do it? Well, I have uh, this friend. She died about 10 years ago, and for the first eight years, they come back year after year after year, the same spot. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. I said, boy, that's her legacy, you know. <laughs> Mine come back probably... Uh, three years, but I could not do without them in springtime. I have to buy probably 200, maybe more, wow. just to see them. I know the second second time maybe they bloom, the third time is only the leaves. But I have yeah. some variegated leaves, too. So yeah, it looks yeah, yeah. nice, you know, to live in Canada, we got a lot of them, because the soil is cool enough to uh, recharge them. Yeah, that is exactly right. In Canada, one of the things in Georgia that we have more we don't have really is cool soil during the summertime and in Canada yeah they would have some cool soil which makes the tulip a lot happier than being in the hot heat and humidity that we have here the one in in the wood I have a lot of wood in the back and I put them in they come back a lot easier than the one in the front because you think it's because it, they're a little drier back there it's drier and uh, it don't drain the heat is not as much because a lot of leaves accumulate during you know yeah. the summer yeah. and keep the bulbs well. cool well, what did you want to ask a question this morning? Nicole? Oh, Mr. Reeve, it's Privet Aaron, isn't it? Oh, Privet. I posted on, on Facebook, I think yesterday or the day before, saying that Privet was one of the most seductive plants in the world for about two weeks in the spring. It smells great. I can pass it on the, on the expressway and can see Privet blooming in the distance and can smell the Privet. It smells fabulous. And my bees love it. It's and a the great bees, bee, it's, it's a, a great, great bee plant. Yes. And then for the other 11 months of the year, it becomes just sort of a persona non grata. You do not want privet in your landscape. Mm -hmm. It gets everywhere. The birds who come to eat the berries, they drop the berries in places you don't want it, and you got problems. Oh, we get invaded with privet, especially, you see, because they don't have no tap root to the root as on right. the surface, so you right. have all the water. But what kind of wood? This wood is hard. <laughs> if you get a lot of wood. I get a lopper and cut it off. I've never not been able to cut off a privet hedge, but you're right. They're pretty dense. The wood is pretty dense on them. Yes, it's like yes. cherry wood. It's really hard wood. Well, Nicole, i got to get out of here. I'm looking at my clock and seeing it's 6.18, so i got to go. But it's great talking to you again. Talk more about your trip. All right. We'll see you next Saturday. Bye, Mickey. Bye. 404-872-0750 is the number you can dial to get Nicole in here. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slate, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
where we are broadcasting live from the Pike Family Nursery in Barrett, on Barrett Parkway in West Cobb this morning. And the food has just arrived. Our famous Mr. Our friend Mr. David Danzig says special thanks to the Chick-fil-A on Dallas Highway for bringing breakfast this morning. And we're happy to see it come in. Oh, you don't clap for me. You clap for the, clap for the food, Chick-fil-A. All right. I see who loves, who loves me around this place. If you'd like to come visit us, we now have Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits back in the corner here, plus some uh, orange juice, coffee, and things like that. And again, Barrett Parkway Pike Nursery, along with Mickey Gadsway from Pike Nursery. Let's see on the phones who's coming back. We're talking to, who is that? Terry. Terry's in Marietta and joins us. Hey, Terry, good morning. Good morning. It's a good one, isn't it? It is a great morning. Mickey and I were just saying a while ago that we don't have to wear our jackets for the first uh, remote broadcast of this season. That's great. It's warm outside. Yeah, what I like is you can go outside and sit out and listen to the birds and drink coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you need, Terry? Well, I got some hydrangeas that I planted them. They were doing great, grew. They almost doubled in size already. I just yeah. put them in, I guess, around the 1st of April. And they're budding out really nice, but the leaves are turning brown. It's like yeah, like up and down. On. The whole branches are just at the tip, twelve inches or so of the branch. Uh, well, it's really the branches look good. It's the leaves. They got like yeah. you know where the vein is, the middle vein on yeah, the, yeah. the center of the leaf. And from there, it's like it's spreading out like it's got varicose veins or something, and they're brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Mickey, guys, wait. Do you hear any clues here? It doesn't sound like anything going in the root. It sounds no. more like a nutrient type thing to like me, a, with, with, since it's in the center for yeah. us, maybe. I don't but know. But are they round, I mean, or is it, just, is it just dying, Terry? I mean, it we, well, the bad. leaves are there. It's like they're, they're kind of just deteriorating a little bit. You know, with the brown, if it gets it on the edge, it just kind of crumbles up and goes away. Yeah. All right, here's what I'm guessing, is there may be a little delayed freeze damage yeah. and maybe something that's going on in the roots that they're not as strong as they need to be. But, you know, there's not really a lot of things that right now that you could say this is a disease, this is a fungus or anything that's happening on a hydrangea. It's a little bit early right now to get into that. So I'm curious if there's something else going on, but I just don't see what Terry said that would give us enough information to... Uh, are the le are the veins just dark? Well, I had to cut him down oh, a little bit because we're coming out to the break right here. Because I don't know. Terry, tell you what, you need to send us pictures. I want yeah. to see pictures of what that damage looks like. Go to WalterReeves.com and click on the Contact Walter button. And uh, these chickens are driving me <laughs> I feel like I'm right home. <laughs> Thank you, Scott Maxson, for having the chicken uh, songs. We do appreciate that this morning. <laughs> Terry, send us some pictures, and we'll do our best to diagnose the problem with your hydrangeas. Right now, it's 628 at News Talk WSB. The chicken song right here this <laughs> morning. <laughs> It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. We've got a crowd of people already here this morning. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery in Barrett Parkway, the West Cobb location. I'm here. Mickey Gasway is here from Pike Nursery. We're here to answer your questions by phone or by personal visit. We'll feed you if you come over, as a matter of fact. Chick-fil-A over here on uh, Dallas Highway supplied our 
breakfast this morning. And don't forget, we have tickets to give away to Cirque du Soleil Verikai. It's going to be at the Gwinnett Arena coming in July. So if you want to take a chance at winning some of those tickets, you can come visit us at the West Cobb Pike as well. Let's go to the phones. David and Tucker joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Yes, sir. I was kind of intrigued about uh, lilacs and just recently heard that there are two major groups, apparently, French and Persian, and the Persian does well here, and the French not so much. Uh, could you firmly differentiate uh, these two types? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the one-word answer, David. Um I don't know much about lilacs in particular. I just get it. I have you know them blooming in the backyard, but I guess they may have some, if you say so, some uh, the Persian, Persian lilac. The Miss Kim. Miss Kim's Persian. Miss Kim is yeah, a yeah, Persian sure. lilac. Okay. I've got that, and it does great. I don't. Hate, I think you've got the big, the I've Bulgarian, got the big, the big yeah, ones. big guys, the <laughs> Betsy Ross and Black Knight and some others, which I'm guessing are maybe French in origin. Right. On there. I think they do better. If they don't have quite so much sun, yeah. Uh, yeah, morning sun, afternoon shade, and they don't like acid soil, so so you know a lot of people have come down from the mm -hmm. north, David, and say, "Oh, I got to have a lilac," and they try one that grandmother gave them, and it doesn't work very well here. But there are very, very, very many, but there are at least a dozen, if not more, mm -hmm. of lilacs that are adapted to Georgia, and I guess they would be the what do you think, the Persian or the French, David? Well, I'm. I'm a little bit I know I hear Persian supposed to be working out pretty well. I, I, and also I'm finding getting the large varieties a little, takes a little digging around here. So b bottom line, you know, if you get the right varieties, they can grow whether they're French or Persian as long as they're adapted to Georgia. And Miss Kim, as Mickey said, is a good one. Uh, Betsy Ross, White Knight, uh, Black Knight, and there may be two or three more. I've got a list of them on my website of the ones that I know work real well here. <clears throat> they could be crossbred. They could be all sorts of improvements done to them. Oh, great, and they don't require full sun necessarily. Not necessarily. I think Mickey's, Mickey is right that they can do pretty well in morning sun up to around 1, 2 o'clock probably, and then some shade after that. They get uh, various kinds of uh, powdery mildews if they stay out in the sun for a long time. You want them, you want them to think that they're up north. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Make them think the they're goal. up north mm -hmm. someplace else and uh, will somehow survive here in Georgia. David, thanks for the call. Let's go to Carlos in Griffin, Georgia. Carlos, you're on News Talk WSB. Carlos, hey. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Um, I got a question. I brought over at Kroger's a uh, uh, flower azalea, yeah. and uh, it comes with a small uh, metal dowel, and it's in a small pot, but my wife wanted to replant that, and I want to know if, if the pot has to be like two times the size and what kind of dirt that basically is. So does your wife want to put it in a pot, or does she want you to plant it out in the landscape? No, just put it in, indoors. Just keep it. You see, with the, the pot that it comes with, it's too small. And indoors. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, Carlos. When you said indoors, that raised a big flag for me. You don't grow azaleas indoors at all. They are not going to be happy there. Oh, okay. Uh, so the best thing is to do is to replant them outside then? Yeah, sure. I mean, azaleas are a, an outdoor plant, if you will. Sometimes you get azaleas. I know you get them from funerals and weddings and various places where people have azaleas, uh, florist azaleas uh, that you get. But the, the azalea plant wants to be outdoors. It does not want to be indoors. That's a temporary situation. Yeah, just that. a temporary thing from the florist <clears throat> shop. But it's immediately if you get them and you want to plant them, plant them outside. You can plant them in a pot if you wanted to, Carlos. You can get a big... 
what would you say, two foot, yeah. 18 inch big pot, pot, something, big pot, mm -hmm. and put it on a deck or something like that. And you'd be pretty okay, successful with that, but mostly an azalea wants to be in the ground. Oh, okay. All right. Any specific soil or just regular soil? Yeah, I'd use a container mix. Yeah. I wouldn't use, don't use dirt. You need to use something oh, okay. that says for containers. Yeah, they have uh, various container mixes at Pike. You can go to nurseries down there where you live in Griffin, Carlos, but there are container mixes that do very well for most most woody, shrubby yeah. type things. They do well. Things. Yeah, just got a container mix and put it in the pot and plant it there. All right. Okay, great. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. Hey, Carlos. It's great talking right. to you. Thanks for calling this morning. 404-872-0750 to get you in and take Carlos's place. Mike is out in Loganville. He joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a uh, muskin eye vine. They're three or four years old, and I have three of them. And one of them this, this uh, spring didn't leaf out. And I noticed little tiny holes about the size of a pinhead. And there were, you know, it was where the hole was. They were the plants were bleeding. Right. And the it, it's sprouting from the bottom. Yeah. But but, but I don't know what what it is that's killed it. Mickey and I are both looking at each other thinking, <laughs> could this be Asian ambrosia beetle on a new plant? Because well, we have answered questions already this spring and last year as well about this beetle, Asian ambrosia beetle. It makes pin, pinhole sized holes in the trunks of plants, but mostly you'll see this sort of te uh, toothpick coming out of that hole on the trunk of the tree, or well, in uh, most cases, uh, not vines. It seems so, like I saw a few, but the majority of them, it would just, you could just see where it was bleeding. And, right, and I have two other plants too, and I want to make try to make sure that you know it doesn't whatever it is doesn't kill the other two plants. Well, the good news is you've already got some sprouts coming at the, mm -hmm. up at the bottom of this grapevine. So prune out the top; it's dead, it's gone. It's not going to help you anymore there, and train the new sprouts to be on your arbor or wherever you have them have them growing. But I want to. You know what you could do, Mike? You could do a real favor for Mickey and I, and okay. that is when you take the vine, take the dead vine off, mm -hmm. if you have a sharp knife or something that you can okay. sort of explore into the trunk or into the stem of the vine and tell us what you see. Take some pictures with your with your phone and send pictures because I would be very interested to see if uh, grapes now are perhaps getting this terribly destructive Asian ambrosia beetle. Well, can I? So I, need, I just need to go ahead and cut it off, and, and ho hopefully, maybe the sprout will will form a, a vine. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to. It'll form a new vine for you in a shorter time than you think. Grapes are very vigorous when they're on a good intact root system. What but what I, we want to find out is what killed the top. And the biggest thing in my uh, calendar right now is the Asian ambrosia beetle on crepe myrtles, on figs, on Japanese maples. Uh, there are lots and lots of people saying, "I got these toothpicks coming out of the trunk of my tree." What could that be? It is Asian ambrosia beetle, and this year looks to be a a big year for them, a bad year I, for them. What can I spray the vines with to prevent that? Eight. Uh, eight, yeah. That's what the extension service recommends. Per, is per, there's a product called eight, E-I-G-H-T. It is not the same as seven, and that's, I'm sure, why they named it eight, because they wanted to differentiate with seven. But eight is uh, permethrin. It's a pyrethroid insecticide, which means it's considered generally a little bit safer than some of the other insecticides. So look for eight, E-I-G-H-T, eight. Okay, spell Say that again. Eight. Oh, eight. Yeah, five, four, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
and try that. Spray it on the uh, leaves of, or the foliage, not the foliage, on the trunk of the uh, grapes that you have and see if that doesn't protect them pretty well from whatever this is. But the most important thing you can do is to make sure you have scrape some some tissue out, out of the trunk and send some pictures because we really really need to know whether that asian ambrosia beetle attacks grapes or not tom is in uh you harley this morning has a question about Williams Williams on his driveway tom hey good morning good morning walter yeah like every time it rains especially after it dries up it's like a something out of a horror movie there is dead worms everywhere on my driveway yeah and this has been a repeat thing now. I think it's going on like the second year now that it's really been bad. I mean, it's, uh, it's really bad. I mean, there's thousands of them. Brown and crunchy and lots and lots and lots of legs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the legs are just worms, but you know. Are they like earthworms, right? Uh, yeah, like the, like the worms you use yeah. when you go fishing. Oh, fishing, yeah. not millipedes. Oh, no, fishing I know. Worms. I've seen it because I go yeah. down the street when I go for a walk and I'm trying to save the worms that are on the thing. <laughs> I spend all my time picking up the worms. What do you do to save them, Mickey? I put them over where in the dirt. They don't like to be on... If you were a worm, would you want to be on? Well, why is it on the dry? Why is it on the I don't know. Sidewalk? I have no idea. I think when it gets real wet, when it rains, and right. it washes them up. And they wash up and get on yeah, the sidewalk and wait for Mickey worms. to go and pick What's them up. What's the matter with you? No! Gee. Well, I'm just, I'm getting tired of having to blow them off the driveway every time. <laughs> All right, Tom just doesn't like them on oh, his driveway. Go fishing. Yeah, so, Tom, bottom line, if you don't have the inclination that Mickey does to save the worms, I think the only thing you can do is to use a, a water hose, maybe, and blow them off the driveway. There's not, to my knowledge, any good way of saving worms uh, that or keeping them from coming out on the sidewalk or the driveway or the roadway or whatever. I can't think of a way to save them other than... You know, use water, I guess, to wash them up off the driveway. All right. Thanks, Walter. All right. I can tell Tom wasn't particularly <laughs> satisfied with that answer. But, I mean, you want to know what I really thought you were going to say? And this, I don't know if this, this will be a compliment or not. I'm ready. I thought you were going to say you put them in your mouth to keep them warm and moist before you put them out. I, mean, I would do that with... Um, uh, mealworms. Mealworms. Oh, mealworms go. You don't really do you. I eat them. Mickey, eat, you do not. They taste like walnuts. Exactly like walnuts. And these are and live. Don't, yeah. They don't crunch. They don't wiggle around in your mouth or anything. Weird. All right. Because no, I, I was with some scouts and they dared me to do it and I did it. Uh huh. Well, so that's now good. Now I always have to do it. Now you have to do it for everybody. Now I eat fire ants. I have eaten fire ants I many times before. That's a, not a bad thing either if you crunch them real quick before they get to <laughs> bite you. Bite you. Yes, but the exactly. The mealworms don't bite. But the mealworms don't bite. I have cricket. You know, next time we see each other, I'll bring you a cricket. Uh, chocolate bar made of oh, cricket flour. I gave, my, I gave my son. Yeah, they're good. All right, we got to get out of here. We got other things we have to talk about right now. Hampton, you'll be with us in the next uh, 30 seconds or so after we get through all of this. Right now, you're listening to Lawn and Garden broadcasting live from the Pike Nursery in West Cobb. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, hey, let's get a little clap here. A quick, a quick weather update brought to you by... 
Ackerman Security. Tonight it's going to be pretty nice for today. I should be only partly, partly cloudy, 20% chance of rain. High 88 degrees this afternoon. Look out. The same tonight, partly cloudy and 20% chance of rain. Low of 64 overnight. It's going to be a great weekend. If you need to come get your garden questions answered, come to the Pike Nursery and Barrett Parkway at West Cobb. Mickey Gasway are here and we're waiting for you. And the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 404-872-0750 gets you in to ask your garden question online this morning. Uh, Hampton is in Eatonton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hampton, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter, how's it going? It's going great, Ham. How can we help? Good deal. Uh, I work down here at uh, Lake Oconee. I work at Reynolds Plantation. Yeah. Um, and we have had a, a real big crop of the pine trees this year. I'm not sure if it's the same everywhere else, but... We're having those little pine trees that are coming up everywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been using Quick Pro Roundup, um, and it's just not really getting the job done. I was wondering if hmm. uh, you had a, a different solution for it. Um, you know, we that's what we've been doing, and we've been pulling yeah, as much yeah. as we can, but it's just not very cost-effective. I was wondering if you had any... Uh, <laughs> the, labor, the labor costs are pretty high out there. Ex Let me exactly. tell you first what, what I think is going on, because a lot of people have noted to me there are more seedlings from pines and maples and all sorts of things in lawns and landscapes, and there's just many, many, many more this year than there have been in previous years. And so I asked my friend Chris Hastings, who is with Arbor Medics here in town, and Chris says, you know what I think is going on? I think this is what's called a mast year, M-A-S-T, mast year. Hunters who are listening right now know exactly what a mast year is. It's a year when all the oaks and all the hickories just have buku uh, nuts that fall to the ground and the animals get fed and deer and things like that get fed very readily. And the hunters like mast years because the uh, animals are fat and they're you know healthy and, and the hunters get to hunt them and well, we won't go into what the hunters do to these fat, healthy animals, but other trees, other plants can have mass years too. Pine trees can have them. Um, there are other things that drop seeds. We mentioned maple earlier here. And so Chris says, I believe this is just a simple mass year for pine and other common trees we don't expect it from. And to be honest, Hampton, the Roundup is probably doing the job, except there's so many seedlings coming up that you spray one day and come back three or four or five days later, and there are more seedlings that sprouted in the same spot. And so you think the Roundup isn't working, but I bet you the Roundup's doing a great job. It's just there's too many seeds in the ground that are sprouting. So just keep, keep up the work. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Keep up the work. <laughs> Surely, Hampton, you have some assistance. Um, Surely you have some assistance and come out there and do a little uh, pine seedling pulling upping out there for you. But that's basically what you need to do, I think, is either pull them up, spray them with Roundup, be careful, don't do it on a windy day. And the uh, pine seedlings, most of them, I think, die anyway with uh, the summertime drought coming. But if you want to pull them up or spray them, you can do that too. Thanks for calling, Hampton. 404-872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, along with Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery. We're broadcasting from the Barrett Parkway Pike Nursery in West Cobb. Come see us. Come get some Chick-fil-A sandwiches, and we'll be right back after news. Goodbye. Check it out.